Hello and welcome to Audio Mission and a very happy new year from the Church Mission Society. I'm Trevor Smith. January traditionally includes the week of prayer for Christian unity and our programme this month takes that theme. In Brazil, Spain and Southeast Asia, we'll discover how Christians are learning to work together in very different situations. First, we hear a youthful voice, that of short-termer Lizzie Simpson. This time last year, she was on placement in Brazil, alongside mission partners Jess and Mark Simpson. No relation. Lizzie really took the plunge and lived with a Brazilian host family in a poor district on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro. Jeremy Woodham met her on her return and asked her what it felt like to be the only gringo in that community. I managed to meet some um, like-minded youth at the Catholic Church in Araras um, and as time went on I got on better with Mariana, Edna's daughter. Edna was the lady who I was living with. And you're living in pretty tight conditions. Yeah, it's, it was a small home. <laughs> it was a small home, but I never wondered for anything. Maybe some Wi-Fi. But but other than that, I never needed anything else. And that you mentioned the Catholic Church there and the relationship mm-hmm. with that. There's there's quite a sort of Catholic Protestant divide mm-hmm. in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, I understand. How was you were quite involved with the Catholic Church? Were you? I I wouldn't say involved so much as opposed to I just went along on Wednesday evenings to go to mass because just to get because the family I was living with they said they were Catholics but they've never once been to church and. I found it quite difficult not having any spiritual support during the week. So I started going along there just to have some time and space to pray because at home I would quite often, if I was praying and reading the Bible, I'd quite often get walked in on. So there wasn't that privacy in the same way, whereas I I had time and space there. And there was a really cool young Catholic priest who I absolutely loved all his sermons and took a lot away from his teachings on the Bible. And he invited a group from the school you Mm -hmm. were with to to go to the Catholic Church and yeah. place. Tell us Pray. about that. So basically, it, I think it's the week of Jericho. It's something that the Pope, I want to say, has introduced. I can't tell you exactly, but basically that a load of Catholic churches were doing a 24-7 prayer for a week. Um, and our school, the school I was placed at, Collegio Anglicano de Araras, was um, invited for one day to go and spend two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon praying and doing sort of prayer workshops and worship um so yeah it was quite it was quite nice to see how many evangelicals came along because a lot of them were very resistant and it wasn't made compulsory in any way that they had to go so it was lovely to see how many people did go and how he was so welcoming um he said one thing great um, which i absolutely loved in one of his sermons when he said which i'd never thought of in this way before when it was the week of the International Week of Prayer for Unity for the Church and he said that denominations are not what God dreamed of for his church. He never dreamt of this divided church. In fact, these denominations are a thing of the enemy. And I thought put like that it's really put so strongly, it really hit home to me. And it was it's really tough because they just don't view each other as proper Christians. <laughs> and they they ask you what religion you are and if you reply, Oh I'm a Christian, they go, No, but are you Catholic or are you Protestant? and which type of church to go to. And you were part of it, or you helped to supervise a music group in the, in mm-hmm. the school that was also invited to play, and there's a yes. story behind that, I think. So I was helping supervise um, this evangelical music group, and they were practising songs, and we were we were sort of not working towards anything, because it was quite young, when I even when I left, it had only been going about five, six weeks. And we were asked by the head teacher if we would sing at the end of every session, 
when I say we, I obviously didn't sing. I cannot sing to save my life. And uh, because they were all Protestants, a lot of them, one girl in particular said that there was no chance she was going to be allowed to go. And I got quite angry and quite personally upset and was saying, you know, you it's you believe the same thing. You worship the same God. You're just going to pray. You're not going to take part in a mass or anything, which I could understand if you don't feel comfortable with. And she sort of said, OK, I'll ask my pastor. And her pastor then came back and said, no. But we, I kept praying about it, and so did Mark and Jess and Abimael, that all these kids would be able to go. And in the end, all of them came back and said, when I came back and spoke to my pastor again, they were they said, OK, that I could go. So it was really great. I, I found that quite emotional to see all those four, no, five evangelicals standing up in that Catholic church singing, just because we do all worship and believe the same thing. Has your view of God changed, developed? Um, yeah, I think I used to think a lot of God as sort of God Almighty, um, as opposed to God Almighty all the time. And I think being involved with the Catholic Church and seeing the way that they um, would completely revere God, and there it was—it's so, obviously I didn't take the bread and the wine there. But um, the, it was such a big thing to go forward for communion, and I was there thinking, you know, I can, I wouldn't do this anyway because I didn't want, I wouldn't want to offend, but I couldn't do this here. It's such a big deal to them. And then it's sort of, I had a penny dropping moment. Oh, this is how I'm meant to feel every time I take communion. That <laughs> like, I do not deserve to come to your table. And I think I, I learned a lot more about the transcendence of God because a lot of Brazilians rightly do focus on that as opposed to he's like God, he's my chum which he is, but sort of learning more about the balance. Please pray for more volunteers to fill the kind of role Lizzie had at the school, building relationships with the children and among Christians. Pray too for Lizzie, now in her first year at university. Now to the other side of the world and a location in Southeast Asia that's not especially easy to talk about. When Jeremy Woodham met a mission partner family who've been based there for 10 years, he heard about what life for Christians is like there and how Christians come together in a remarkable prison ministry. Christians in this country are, in the country we work, there's prejudice against them. Uh, They're denied opportunities. They are persecuted, so they're under pressure. There's prejudice and there's persecution. As I have three progressive three Ps, uh, you know it's hard to be a Christian in in this country. But um, I think, despite those hardships, or even because of them, people are seeing uh, the difference that Christ makes, and and that's that's why the church is growing, particularly amongst younger people. I'd love to hear a little bit about the the prison ministry as well. Uh, you're part of a group, small group known as. The Christians, yeah, by the prison authorities, I think. The religious people. <laughs> the religious people going into a, a prison. Who's in prison there? Who are you meeting? Some people would claim that they, they haven't done anything wrong, which I think is true for <laughs> of prisoners in this country, but we know of, of several people who's, uh, who haven't gone to trial after five years, uh, five or six years without going to trial. And I'm sure that there are people in prison just because someone has doesn't like them and wants them put away. There is a justice system in this country and uh, the country we work in, but it's not terribly well developed like many other aspects of the society. And uh, 
it can seem like an injustice system, really. Uh, people who have lots of money can probably walk out of jail, whereas people who have no money are left to rot there. And what are you able to do going into the prison? We're able to to visit. We're able to um, bring food and medicine to the prisoners. Uh, we're able to pray with the prisoners. And uh, we can also give literature, Christian literature and other literature to the prisoners. We have built up a, a good level of trust between ourselves and the prison authorities. I think they see that we're people of, of goodwill and we're also concerned for the guards and uh, the, the, the prison governors. We're concerned for everyone in, in, in the prison situation and I think that's how we get trust and that's how we get respect. Mm. I think you're not allowed to lead worship or anything as such but there are Prisoners there are prisoners who are believers who will have um, Bible study together and sing hymns and songs. and um, So there is worship going on in prison, um, and there are people coming to faith in prison. We had uh, an issue with drugs, illegal drugs within the prison, and that really cast a, a big cloud over, over what we were doing because some of the people that we were helping were, were involved in that. And uh, the prison authorities, uh, the, the guards, the governor, whatever, were were transferred and new leadership was brought into the prison. And I think it's taken us a while to persuade them that we're really not anything to do with the drug problem. You know, we're not um, bringing in drugs to the prison. Um, we're bringing in good things. And I think that that's, you know, that message is, has got across because uh, we're very much an international team. There are, there are nationals in the prison ministry team. There are um, speakers of the different languages, the prisoners we visit. And it's a, it's a real example of, of uh, the church as, as a unified body serving the, the, the prison community. It's one of the most rewarding things that, that I'm involved in personally. And, you know, after, after prison... Uh, we also try and help people who've been released. So it's, it's an ever-expanding field of work, really. Please pray about what we've heard and pray too for the international politics of the region with the growing influence of China, the protection of what religious freedom exists and for our mission partners leading an international church in the capital. In our last interview this month, we meet Eliened and Matt Phipps, mission partners in Madrid, Spain. They're working to build bridges between Protestants and Catholics there for the sake of mission, where relations have often been strained. Sarah Holmes asked them how it all began. We went to Spain um, asking ourselves the question, because it certainly wasn't uh, a question we knew the answer to, is it possible to be involved in mission in Spain um, with a different paradigm, with a different, uh, a different way of looking at things, looking at the fact that many Spaniards uh, have grown up with a picture of, of Christian faith to a greater or lesser extent received through Roman Catholicism that can be worked with um, 
can we work with Roman Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ to share the gospel? Uh, can we work with what people may understand or may not understand from their background, from having grown up in church or, or not? Um, can we do that, but take those things as good as a foundation to be built upon rather than something that needs to be worked against or undone? And you sort of started from several different bases, if you like, is that how you see it? So you, you, you have fingers in sort of different pies, but it all comes back to a kind of community focus. But you have got a quite a, uh, you know, you're ordained now, which is quite key, I think, in all of this. Yes, in a sense, mission has always seemed to us to be this. We, we make work for ourselves. We go to a place and we look around and, uh, and our experience certainly has been put fingers in as many pies as possible and see what God does. Because sometimes what God does uh, is the things that look really promising, uh, those opportunities come to nothing. And then something that looked like it would never work, God prospers and something amazing happens. Um, and we need to be sensitive to, uh, to the way that he works and the things that he wants to do uh, with us and uh, and through us and uh, and through others so we did a couple of things at the outset to try and sort of test the waters if you like one of the things that I did was um, was I uh, signed up to be a student at the uh, Catholic Ecclesiastical University of San Damaso uh, in Madrid, which is attached to the Roman Catholic Seminary in, in Madrid. And at that time, we had no idea where that was going or what the, the plan was there. The plan was simply, you know, let's try and learn something. Um, and, well, this is a place of learning. Um, this is the place to go. So on that first day, I had no idea what was going to happen, where it was going to lead. But five years later, one of the things that that did was it, it led to my being trained there uh, for ordination in the Church of England. Uh, and, and that the influence that that time had on me uh, was, was formational and, and, and fundamental to, to that journey. And I think one of the things that's important that we... Um one of the reasons we wanted to see whether you could study in the in the Catholic University was to see what the Catholic teaching was from people who really believe it because it's easy to criticise something from the outside but it's really important to get a real picture to, to get it from the horse's mouth so sometimes um, there's a lot of prejudice whenever you're working in any kind of reconciliation ministry we can propagate prejudice against the other side as it were so it was important to understand what Catholics teach about what they believe and to, to see that um, from from the inside and actually that's been really helpful um, because there is a lot of prejudice and actually um, a lot of the Catholics we've encountered through the seminary have been not just devout or practicing but have a really live faith which is very beautiful and has really touched us and that's been very important for being able to build bridges and, and work in a community and I think that we feel quite enculturated in that way that we've we've got to know people in their local setting which was important and um you've learned things from the people you've met and they're learning things from you yeah it's it's always a a, a two-way process i think that when we have spent time with our catholic friends uh i signed up uh, 
as a student in the seminary and clearly I wanted to learn information. I wanted to understand doctrine. I wanted to understand teachings. I wanted to understand different perspectives. Um, and certainly I've done all of that and more. But one of the things that came to us as the most pleasant surprise was to find that in the relationships, uh, the friendships with my classmates and the people that we that we've met over these last five years, some of them students, some of them lecturers, some of them others associated with the uh, with the university uh, has been that we have we have learned from them in faith we've learned from them as fellow christians uh, who've got gifts to share um, who've got uh, ways of spending time with god aspects of their prayer life uh, of their worship life uh, things that have informed and shaped um, and benefited us uh, because we've gone to them wanting to learn a few things and we've learned a lot more than we expected in a sense that surprised us we just hope and we've got some you know reason to believe from things that others have said to us uh, that that has been a mutual process a reciprocal process also to our surprise friends have said to us it is, and the word that they've used in, in, in Spanish has been uh, one that means enrichment. It is enriching that you have come here to spend time with us. And they have taken that opportunity uh, to ask us every question under the sun. Um, I don't think that we have ever felt that we needed to say anything about what we believe that hasn't been prompted uh, by somebody else's deep longing uh, to know how we... It's, it's humbling, really, because they have not only welcomed us, but they have fallen over backwards asking uh, us questions to try to learn from us as well. Uh, and, and, and that's been effortless, natural, and a process which is not just ecumenical dialogue... It's, it's just growing friendship. Give thanks for the example of Aline, Ed and Matt and pray for the continued fruitfulness of their work as Matt settles more into his role of ordained deacon and they continue to explore mission opportunities alongside their Catholic brothers and sisters. We end with a short reflection from Jeremy Woodham of the CMS communications team on his own ecumenical journey with CMS. I wanted to share a reflection this month because the subject of unity is part of my own founding story with CMS. My first experience with the society was as a volunteer working with the Orthodox Church in Russia. My home church back in Wiltshire was Baptist and I still recall the bemused laughter of some young Russians on a camp in mosquito-saturated woods an hour or two from St Petersburg when I described myself as a Baptist working with the Orthodox thanks to an Anglican mission, unheard of in their world. While in St Petersburg, I was one of only two or three people at the regular English-speaking mission workers' prayer meeting who had anything to do with the Orthodox on a regular basis. Then back in the UK, when a Russian Orthodox friend visited, I was genuinely surprised by the pain I felt when she stepped back from the communion circle and opted out, as her church would insist, of sharing the sacrament. I had discovered the heartache of disunity, but I had also discovered the truth that what unity, friendship and love we did find was in mission. It sounds from this month's interviews that CMS people all over the world are still experiencing the same thing. Taking part in God's mission together, where God is in the lead and we are just joining in, is a powerful place to forge relationship 
and perhaps discover that we are in fact more united than we thought, or looked from the outside. In any family, if a brother and sister cannot eat at the same table, something is wrong. Yet we can be encouraged that in community after community across the globe, Christian sisters and brothers from different churches and often from different countries are rolling up their sleeves and together serving their neighbours because in the cause of God's mission they have discovered that the eye simply cannot afford to say to the ear, I don't need you. Jeremy Woodham bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Join us next time to hear more voices from God's mission around the globe and thank you for your prayers.